passages this morning are all from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 25 to 27. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Chapter 5, verses 5 to 6. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Chapter 16, verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way unto death. Chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Chapter 20, verse 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Chapter 21, verse 30 to 31. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. Chapter 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Chapter 20, verse 18. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. Chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. This is the word of the Lord. I gave you a whole ton of Proverbs there, but you'll be happy to know we're not going to preach through every one of those. I just wanted you to see that the Proverbs are soaked with verses about how we plan and how to plan wisely. And there's a lot of repetition there. A lot of the same ideas show up. So we're only going to look at six of those verses this morning.
But before we dive in, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is a blessing to be gathered here this morning as your people, united by our common faith. Fill me with your spirit anew that I might preach your word faithfully and boldly by your power. May I speak nothing less and nothing more than the words you have for us to hear today. Please open all our hearts to receive the message you have for us and to respond in faith. Grant us to see your glory in scripture and give us wisdom in the midst of every decision that faces us in this life. In fellowship with your people and in light of your word, may we walk in the way of life. May we walk in faithfulness to you and attain to the glorious inheritance which you have provided for us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Where we are challenged, give us the courage to press in and grow in our faith. Where we are encouraged, give us thankful hearts to praise your glorious name. Amen. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is James. My wife, Nicole, and I lead a community group here, and we've been part of Christ City since it was planted, and we were part of the church that Fred pastored before that, the bridge. And it is truly my pleasure to get to bring the word this morning. As you heard, this morning we're looking at our planning, the decisions we make, and the providence of God, or how we make decisions and plan in light of the fact that God is in control of all things, and that he guides everything. This message is particularly relevant to the season that Nicole and I are in right now. As I studied for this passage, we found ourselves very encouraged. Over the last year, we've seen God close several doors on long-term plans we had. And so we've had to been, we've been praying of what would, what door would God open now? Just this past couple months, I've actually applied for a PhD in Australia. So right now we're just waiting to see, will God open that door or not? So this has been a season for us of prayerfully seeking God's will, of asking what does it look like to make plans in light of his word, the counsel of his people, what does it look like to be faithful to him? And we have been both very encouraged as I prepare this message. And so my prayer is that you would likewise be encouraged this morning. But the, the wisdom that Proverbs gives us about making plans is not just for big decisions. It's not just for decisions about moving overseas. We all every day make dozens of decisions. I did a random Google search and according to a unnamed source who offer no proof and no substantive research, a person makes 35,000 decisions every day. Now that's probably fake news, but it's true that we make countless decisions every day. We make small decisions like, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What will I say to my spouse, my child, coworker? What drink will I order at Starbucks? It, the list goes on and on. Maybe will I speed to catch that red light or not? But we are also faced with a lot bigger decisions. We're faced with decisions of, should we buy a house? To buy or to lease a car? Whom should we date? Should we get married? Where will we live? What job will we take? The list goes on and on and on. And all these decisions have serious consequences. 
consequences that last on and on for years to come. So we need wisdom as we make decisions. And I know there are some here this morning, my, my wife and I included, who are facing many big decisions right now. For some of us, we've just lost a job. And the question is, where would God have us look for work? For some of us, it's, what is God's next step for us? Should, is Vancouver a sustainable city to live in? Or in light of its high costs, would he have us go elsewhere? Many of us in this room are facing such decisions right now. And we need to know what God has to say about that. We need wisdom. And God knows we need wisdom. And in the Proverbs, he has graciously given us much wisdom. And yet the decisions we make don't only affect how we, our prosperity in this life, our peace, our joy. They also have internal, eternal consequences. According to the Proverbs, there is only two paths to walk upon as we make decisions. There is a path of life that leads to joy, ultimately joy in God and peace with him. But there's also a path of death, a path that leads to despair in this life, but also judgment in the life to come. We need guidance. We need to know that the decisions we make are the right decisions. And that's what we're going to look at this morning from the Proverbs. God has graciously given us much wisdom. He has shown us not only that there is a path to death, but he's also shown us that there is a path of life. And he's shown us how to walk it. What we'll see this morning is that our plans only succeed when they align with God's plan. We're going to look at the teaching that the Proverbs have concerning our planning under three headings this morning. First, we're going to see that, our pl- that the only plans that prosper are those that line up with God's plan. We're then going to look at, well, how do we do that? How do we make our plans line up with God's plans? We're going to see that we do that by seeking first his kingdom, by seeking his purposes with wisdom and in the counsel of his people. And then we're, con- then we're going to consider what happens when our plans fail, because they surely will. We're going to see that God's plan endures even when ours do not. So first, the, thing, the first thing we're going to see, we will see in the Proverbs, is that our plans only prosper when they align with God's plans. If we're going to make plans, we need to ask the first question, like what plans succeed? What are the right plans to make? Or more precisely, according to Proverbs, whose plans will succeed? In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, we read, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. If you've ever watched a Disney movie, you've probably been taught the lesson that the right decisions come from following your heart. You know, how do I plan? Just follow my heart. Well, let's be clear. That is the worst advice you could ever hear. Our hearts do offer to guide us. They will show us a path. There is something, a way that seems right to us, but that path only leads to death. Our hearts are not trustworthy 
guides to where we should go. Listen to Jeremiah's words about the human heart in chapter 17, verse 9 of the book of Jeremiah. The heart is is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Does that sound like a good guide? We need to be clear about one thing. If we are looking for the way on which we should go, how to make right decisions, how to plan well, we cannot find those answers in here. According to the Bible, our hearts begin, our hearts from birth are twisted away from God in opposition to him. The default setting of the human heart is in the terms of Paul, in the terms of Paul in Romans, hatred towards God, hostility towards God. If we trust our hearts, if we follow the way that seems right to us, it only leads one direction, away from God, in rebellion against God. And that is the way of death. It both leads to physical death, because sinful, rebellious decisions against God are usually not those that are most healthy for us, and usually don't lead to a long life. But more significantly, that's the path of spiritual death. Those, the Bible teaches that there will be a day when God will judge all the sinful acts of men and women in this, create, in this creation. A day of judgment will come. And so the path of death is that, exactly. It's death. But this message this morning, what we see in the Proverbs is not only doom and gloom. It's not just about the path of death. The Proverbs show us clearly that there is a path that leads to death. But it also shows us very clearly that there is a path of life. There is a path that leads to joy in God and eternal life in fellowship with him. So with those two options laid out before us, okay, there's a path of death and a path of of life. It seems pretty obvious which way we should seek. We need to ask, well, what does it look like to walk the path of of life. As we've seen throughout this mess, this series on the Proverbs, the path of life can ultimately be summarized as the fear of the Lord, of knowing God rightly and living in a way that corresponds to who he is. This is ultimately the path of life. And we, and what we see throughout the Proverbs is that the path of life corresponds to what God is doing. What we read in Proverbs 19, verse 21, is this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we make plans, but they ultimately fail. Even if they succeed and get us where we want to go, they ultimately lead to spiritual ruin. We make many plans, but they fail. Yet God... God's purpose will stand. It endures. It is the path of life. And so that is the way that we need to seek. Our plans only succeed when they align with God's plan, with God's sure purpose that endures. So before we consider, well, how do we make those plans? How do we bring our plans in line with God's plan? We need to know, well, what is he doing? What is God's plan that endures. I think a good summary is found in Ephesians 
chapter 1. After saying that the salvation that Christians experience, after saying that the adoption we have was predestined by God according to the purpose of, the will, of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, Paul goes on in verses 7 to 10 to write, In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That is, God has a plan. Before he created the world, he had a plan for his creation, what it would look like and where it would go. It was a plan to magnify his glory, to magnify his character, to demonstrate his character in every facet of the created order, both its history, the events that happened, and everything that he created in it. Everything in the created order in this world is designed to magnify God's character, to show us his love, his mercy, his kindness, his wisdom, his power, his authority, his justice, and on and on. And what we find in Ephesians is that is that, that whole purpose, this purpose of demonstrating God's glory centers on the historical incarnation of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion on a Roman cross, and his resurrection. God's plan centers on these events. It is on the cross of Christ that we see most clearly God's character. On the cross, he demonstrates his love. Though we all walk a path of death, trusting our own instincts, our own hearts. He did not give us the justice he deserved, but he gave his only son, his beloved son, gave him over to death on a cross. He demonstrates also his mercy on the cross. We don't deserve salvation, yet he offers us to freely come to Jesus Christ and to be saved, to be freed from condemnation, to be freed from God's wrath against sin and to find life and life abundant in him. And he demonstrates his justice. He shows us on the cross truly what the path of death leads to. He shows us what is the cost of human sin. So dire are our sins that it cost the life of the only sinless human. More than that, the beloved son of God himself dying in the most brutal way imaginable for our sins. So the cross of Christ is the center of God's plan. Everything in the created order revolves around this, these events. Jesus coming as a man and dying on the cross and rising again. Now, someone might at this point raise a good question. If this is God's plan, well then how do we align our plans with something that's already happened? But as we read further in the Bible, God's plan doesn't end with the cross. The cross is the climax of his plan, the heart of his plan. But he's doing more. It's God's plan for that message, for the truth of what Jesus did and the offer of forgiveness of sins found in the gospel, the message that Jesus 
died for our sins, lived the perfect life that we could not, and rose again on the third day. It's God's plan for that message to go out into all the world, for all to have a chance to repent of their sins, to turn from their rebellion against God, and to find hope in him. Jesus summarizes God's purpose, God's plan as it concerns us, his people, in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So that is God's plan. God's plan was for Jesus to come and die for the sins of his people. And his plan is now for that gospel message, the offer of salvation, deliverance from the death that our sins deserve us, for that message to go out to all the world through his people, through local churches, like Christ City, Kitsilano. And our decisions, our plans succeed only when they align with this work that God is doing. Our plans succeed when they align with God's plan. So what then, how do we do that then? If our plans only succeed when they align with God's plan, well, how do we bring our plans in alignment with his plan? Like, what is that look like. Thankfully, the Proverbs have a lot of practical tips for how to do this. They show us clearly what it means to walk the path of life, to bring our plans in line with God's plans. What we see elsewhere in the Proverbs is that we do this, we align our plans with God's, when we seek first his purposes, when we seek his kingdom with godly wisdom found in the Bible, and in the counsel of his people. Now this begins with faith. We need to have faith in Jesus Christ to draw near to God, to know him, to understand his will, who he is and what he would have for us. So that's the path of life, bringing our plans in alignment with God's plan starts with faith, drawing near to the father through his beloved son. And once we have done that, the rest is following him. That's how the New Testament captures what it means to walk the path of life. It calls it following after Christ, doing all we do in submission to him and out of love for him. Now, someone might object at this point. Well, does it really, does following God bring all our plans into alignment with him? Is that what the Bible would have us do? Every single decision in line with God's will? Does God really care what I eat? Does God really care about where I work, what job I take, what I do, how long I sleep in? Does God care about these things? Hear Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all you do, to the glory of God. The Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper captured this very well when he wrote, no single piece of our mental world is to be hermetically sealed off from the rest. 
And there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So faithfulness to God in our decision-making, our planning, is extensive. It covers every single thing we do. But the Bible doesn't speak to every single thing that we do. There is a lot of practical wisdom in the word of God. It speaks about a lot of things that we might not think it does. It tells us when to eat and when to drink and when not to in certain circumstances. It tells us whom we should work with and whom we shouldn't. It talks about what we, what we should do with our girlfriends or boyfriends, whom we should marry. Where it covers all of, the, all of our life. But there's many things that the Bible does not explicitly address. And so the question we should ask is, what does it mean to bring all of our purposes, all of our decisions in line with God's plan, even if the Bible doesn't explicitly say something about it? Turn with me to Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Doing this, bringing all our plans in alignment with God's plan, begins with this. Not leaning on our own understanding. Not doing what is right in our own eyes. Forsaking the path of death. What seems right to us. Because what often seems right to us is very, very wrong. But it means acknowledging God in all that we do, knowing him in all that we do, thinking of God and acting in a way that corresponds to who he is. And so the Bible gives a lot of things that explicit guidance. But for those things that it doesn't give explicit guidance on, we need to be asking, what would bring God the most glory in this circumstance, how best do I magnify his character, who he is, to those around me and demonstrate that to my own heart? And the only way we can do that is to know God, to fear him, to know him and respond appropriately. So ultimately, we need to be very good readers of our Bibles. It is in the Bible that we learn who God is, what he would have for his people. And so we need to read our Bibles, read them again and again and again, both to know what he would have from us explicitly, but also who he is and how to best make him known in the world through our actions, our decisions, our choices. And that sometimes means thinking differently than we normally would. For example, pragmatically, it would seem wise if our work offered us a good job, if we only we moved to a city that was a little bit cheaper you know, might have a better view of the mountains, closer to family. It would seem wise. But sometimes what seems best from a pragmatic perspective, what would work well, be financially secure, might not be the best from the perspective of what brings God the most glory. Instead of asking, the, we need to ask the wise questions about, can I do this financially? 
Will my family survive a move? Those are good questions. We should ask them. But we must also ask, what would moving away do for my church community? Am I serving now in a way that if I left would damage the church I'm leaving? Or how will a move affect the spiritual life of my family? Will they prosper? Or will losing the community that God has established us in hurt us deeply? And we need to ask, where would God have us using the particular gifts he's given us to serve the body of Christ? Are they being used well now? Would they be used well in a move? Seeking to bring all our decision-making, all our plans in line with the plan of God means asking questions like that. Not just what is best for our money, for our bank accounts, for our security, but what is best for God's purpose, for God's will. And doing so sometimes will be what's pragmatic. Sometimes those line up. But sometimes what God would have of us is risky, is costly. Jesus makes that explicit, that following him is taking up our cross. It is dying to our preferences, our desires, and seeking first his kingdom. But how can we discern that on our own? None of us knows the Bible well enough to know exactly what it would say to every circumstance in our life. And how do we know if what seems wise to us is actually wise and not just our delusion? Or how do we know that what seems risky is not actually really reckless? But the Proverbs gives us wisdom here as well. Look with me at Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. God does not intend us to make our decisions in a vacuum, all by ourselves. But he has given us the body of Christ, local churches, Christian friends and family, to help us make decisions, to help us bring our plans in line with his plans. Now, we need to notice two things about what God is saying in this proverb. First, it is not in the abundance of counsel that, that safety is found. That is, if you listen to one person who spews all their wisdom, that might not be the wisest thing to do. It's in the abundance of counselors, looking to many brothers and sisters for wisdom, for guidance, in light of his word. And if we turn to a fool for counsel, we'll get foolish counsel. So the counselors we seek need to be wise. That means looking to those who are themselves seeking to bring their plans in line with the word of God. Those who are seeking first the kingdom and have hopefully demonstrated some track record of doing so wisely. It is the abundance of godly counsel that we find safety, that we are able to discern what exactly it looks like in every day to bring our our plans, our decisions in line with the plan of God. What we see in the Proverbs is that our plans only succeed if they line up with God's plan. And we do this, we bring our plans into alignment with God's plans by prayerfully seeking counsel in his word. What does he have to say? Who is he? What would he have us do in these circumstances? But not just being content 
with what we see in Scripture, what we know of Scripture, bringing our plans into alignment with God's plans means seeking counsel from others. If available, our pastors, elders, godly parents, godly friends, community group leaders, teachers can all be great sources of counsel for following God's will daily. We need to do this. We need to bring our plans in line with God's plans if they are to succeed. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think we see that this doesn't always happen. We do our best. We seek to make wise plans, but those plans often fail. But the Proverbs also speak to this scenario. What do we do when our plans fail? The Proverbs show us that even in the midst of our failures, of plans that collapse all around us, God's good plan endures. Look with me at Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. That is, nothing is outside of God's control. Nothing goes on that he hasn't thought about, he hasn't planned for, that is not part of his good purpose. Consider also Proverb 20, verse 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? Our plans often fail because we don't know what is best for us in every circumstance. We can try as hard as we can. We can seek wisdom as best as we can. But we ultimately are not the ones who determine our steps. God does. And that should give us great confidence. Because if we only relied on ourselves to make things work out, to stay, to hold fast to God, we would be in deep, deep trouble. But the good news of the proverb, the proverbs show us is that it is not up to us. Our steps are not established by our good plans, by our good decisions. Even when we make horrible mistakes, God's plan endures. He is ultimately the one who establishes our steps. And this should give us great confidence, confidence to make plans, knowing that everything doesn't ride on our good plans. We should plan. We plan because we are made in the image of a God who plans. The Proverbs assume that we are planning, so we need to be planning. But when our plans fail, God's plan has not failed. God's promises have not failed. His good purpose endures Hear the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8. And we know that for those who love God, hear this Christ city, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And he goes into some detail in verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him 
graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is the purposes of God that will endure. So we make plans. We need to make plans. It would be foolish not to make plans. But when our best laid plans fail, God's good purpose for his people endures. And that should give us great confidence. And I I confess that I have sucked at this the past month or so. Watching well-laid plans we had had in the past close off is hard. It's like, oh, I was putting a lot in those. I thought those were pretty good. But also looking at other plans, applying for a PhD in Australia has given me a lot of anxiety because the odds of getting accepted are very, very small. So the question is, well, if God closes this door, what door is he going to open? But getting accepted is also terrifying. That means moving halfway across the world where we know no one. It means leaving behind both of our families who live in the lower mainland. It means leaving this church, which Nicole and I have been a part of for five years since we started dating. And they also have spiders in Australia the size of a small plate. (laughs) These are terrifying things that have definitely given me anxiety. But the truth that we see from the Proverbs and the rest of Scripture is that I have no need to be anxious about these things. For when my well-laid plans fell apart, God's good plan was still enduring. And if this door opens, his good plan is coming to fulfillment. And if the door closes he still has a good purpose for us. But there's another implication of the fact that God's plans endure while ours fail. It gives us great confidence, but it's also a huge rebuke on our pride. Consider James's words in the book of James, chapter, chapter 4, 13 to 17. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, James drops the hammer a little bit here. It's quite harsh, but I think we get his point. If it's God's plan that endures, that's not a promise that our plans will endure. Our plans will inevitably fail at times. None of us can perfectly bring our plans into alignment with God's. 
So we must hold our plans with an open hand. We plan. We plan hard. We trust God with our plans. And we trust him when our plans fall apart. Because God's will still endures. He establishes our steps. What man can understand his way? This is what the Proverbs have to say about our planning. That only the plans that align with God's plan are going to succeed. So if we want to plan wisely, if we want to plan well, we need to seek to bring our plans in alignment with his plan. And the Proverbs give us, give us some wisdom here. We need to know God. We, can, we need to ask good questions about the plans that we're making. Is what we're doing right now, is the response we're about to give to our spouse in a fight really going to give God the most glory? Instead, what would? We need to seek his will in all these things. And we can't do this on our own. So we need to seek to bring our plans into alignment with his plan, with the counsel of his people, with the wisdom of others. In the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And that's a good thing. We need that. And when our plans fail, God is good and his plan still endures for his people. And we can have confidence that for those who trust in Jesus Christ, who love him and however imperfectly are walking the path of life, he will work everything, even our failed plans, for our good. That we might become more like Jesus and know him more. That is what we see what I hoped we would see this morning from the Proverbs. And that should challenge us because none of us are doing this. None of us do this perfectly. The challenge we should hear is we need to do this. For some of us this morning, we are walking on the path of life. We have trusted in Jesus Christ. And the question that stands before us every day is what does it look like today, tomorrow, the next day to follow Jesus? How do I bring my plans in line with God's plans? But there may be some here this morning who have not walked in the path of life yet. And the question that stands before you every day is, will you continue in the way of death? The way of following your heart in opposition to God? Or will you walk in the path of life, turning to Jesus Christ for mercy, for the forgiveness of sins, and trusting him to follow after him? And walk in the path of life. There's also encouragement here to be heard. From the message this morning. When our plans have failed. When our plans fail tomorrow and the next day. God's good plan endures. So we can trust him. In conclusion. Please join me in prayer. Thank you Lord. That we are not doomed to walk the path of death but that through Jesus Christ, you offer us life, the forgiveness of sins, the blessing of fellowship with you, and the ability to follow you. Lead us in the path of life. Give us wisdom to discern the paths you would have us to walk and how to bring you glory in everything we do. Give us wisdom to trust you and the courage to follow you, wherever, whatever form that might take. May you be magnified, may you be glorified, and may you be honored in every word, in every deed, and in every thought we have. For those of us who have been challenged this morning, help us to trust you with our plans and help us to diligently make plans in light of your word and with the counsel of others. Continue to encourage all our hearts with the promise of your faithfulness. 
Please, Jesus, lead us in all your ways. To you, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all times and now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.